The climate is changing at an accelerating pace. Thousands of residents and tourists have been evacuated from the region. No one country can solve this problem. There's really one key message that emerges from this report. We are out of time. Welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, an international podcast that explores the personal side of climate change, your feelings, what the crisis means to you, and how to cope and thrive. And now, your hosts, Thomas Doherty and Panu Pikala. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Thomas Doherty. And I am Panu Pikala. And welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, our podcast, which is a show for people around the globe who are experiencing climate change and thinking deeply about this phenomenon, this this event, this emergency, and the personal side of it. We talk about our personal side and how we do our work regarding climate change, particularly on the emotional aspects of climate change, the feelings aspect of climate change. And Hanno and I have been preparing for the episode and talking about what's happened over the last couple of years since we first started our own personal dialogues and kind of agreeing that we're in a different place here with climate in um, late summer 2022. We're in a sort of an era that feels different. It is warmer, it's hotter, it's more challenging, it's less hypothetical. Um, this idea of, uh, in literature, in media arrests, uh, when a story starts right in the middle of the action. It plunges us right into the action, and then we step back and learn learn some more of the, the backstory. So I feel like we're kind of plunged in with this episode right in the middle of the action. Hanu, what's what's up for you of many, many things when, when we talk about kind of plunged right in the middle of the action here with climate change? And what's, what's coming up for you? What do you think would be helpful for the listeners to hear us talk about? Mm. Yes, speaking from Northern Europe, from Finland, of course, what's been happening a lot during this summer is that the impacts of global warming have gotten even more intense in Europe. And in many ways, there's heat waves and droughts, of course, some storm activity, or also uh, even in places in Europe where people thought that the water supply will be very good, there's been no issues. So it's getting very close mm-hmm. to many, many people in Europe, and that's a game changer. Of course, it's part of a gradual change over the years, and this was expected, but still there is that feeling of something new, a kind of new era being going going on. So this theme of in medias res switch, switch stats, uh, of course, in relation to the climate crisis, I've been thinking that it also kind of reflects the situation of every human being who is alive now because of the developments ever since the industrial age have been going on and we have been sort of born in medias res into, mm. into this situation. But now it's just much more intense than what it was even when you and I were born. We, we have a, a bit more than 10 years of age difference, by the way, listeners. I, I think we haven't very often talked about our ages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Panu, born into climate change. That's a really rich thing, listeners. You can think about that. I mean, one of the, one of the exercises I've done teaching and with groups is just have, having people do a, a lining up by, by what age they um, became aware of climate change or 
what age they became educated about the issue of climate change. And it's a telling exercise when you have a, a, a group of a wide age range from elders to young people, because, I mean, for the listeners that are under under 20, it may seem strange to think of someone who doesn't know what climate change is. But for elders, any elders here, people that are over 50, for example, if you're listening, you know, you can go back to a time probably where you first learned about the concept of climate change, whether it's in the news or through your professional work or academic work. Um, you know, I'm, I'm ancient, you know, in terms of climate change knowledge, even just in being in my mid fifties, um, James Hansen's testimony to the, to the U S Congress happened in the eighties around when I was in college, um, in university. And, um, I never heard the word climate change in my university studies ever. It was not part of that experience. I did not really become aware of the till well after my university. Well, and, and I was working for Greenpeace and working for environmental groups. And even in my work in a Greenpeace in the 90s, mm. we were not talking about global climate change. We were focusing on other issues like ozone depletion and nuclear. The U.S. was still doing you know nuclear testing and things like that. But so it's it's interesting, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's, that's just something to understand about how it works in people's minds. The older people are, the more challenging it is for them to grok uh, climate change because it, yeah, yeah. it's not something they were, they were, they've grown up with. And I think younger people, um, have had this their entire life. And it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a one, one more communication challenge is to communicate across these ages. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's totally true and intersects with the major thing that's going on in my work life which has been working on a process model of eco-anxiety and ecological grief mm. so trying to do a visualization of a kind of process with phases and dimensions so that it would be simple enough that it can be widely used but not too simple so that it would give um, false impressions of linearity for example so it's not just stages but some more nuance and uh, when I've been doing that for a long time I've been thinking about a sort of blessed unknowing as the first phase you know and I reconnect with that in the 1990s I had certain environmental awareness but uh, I didn't uh, I wasn't so aware of climate change, so echoing what you said, said Thomas, and then there's a very complex phase of semi-consciousness where you know something and perhaps try not to know it and that sort of thing, but we have touched upon that sometimes in the episodes of the first season and probably during this second season, which is starting now with the podcast, we'll sometimes dig deeper into this process model it's nearly completed and then we might get a chance to discuss the complex dynamics of semi-consciousness also also more yeah yeah and just for the listeners we're gonna do some stepping back in the next couple of episodes to re-educate ourselves about this whole podcast and so if you're you're coming into this in media res if you haven't listened to us before only listened to a few episodes i believe our this will be our 18, 19, 19, 19, approximately 18. Yeah. So, uh, and, um, 
you know, Panu is a scholar of emotions and Panu does research on emotions. So he's actually creating some of the, the, the knowledge, the academic and the scientific knowledge about literally how this, these things work. Um, and process model is kind of a, a term that, um, therapists and academics use when they're trying to study something about how, how it, it works like in motion. It's not like a, it's not a thing that just, um, it exists stationary. It's a process. So like climate grief is like an oscillation between activities about going down into the dark parts of grief and also the coping aspects, you know, it oscillates that I think, you know, Panu, I know your model is more in depth than that, but so I, I think what happens for you, Panu, is that um, you're trying to understand this so you can communicate it to other scholars and write, you know, academic papers and have peer review and all this stuff. So it has to stand up to all the scrutiny of all these so-called you know, other experts. Um, but you're also trying to understand it personally yourself. So what you're saying is true, right? Wouldn't that be a fair statement? Yeah, yeah, that is a fair, fair statement and uh, something that's also uh, forms a commonality for both both of us. Uh, Thomas also has a long history in research amidst pra- practice, and I think what we both have in common is that we haven't wanted to keep ourselves in any any ivory towers, speaking only academic jar- jargon, but we've mm-hmm. wanted to make our work understandable for a broader audience, and of course that's one uh, one dimension of this podcast also, and because these issues are so complex, it's, it really is lifelong long learning. So that at least produces some humility in, in, in humans who are always, of course, also pro, prone to other things than humility. But mm-hmm. it tends to give oneself humble how complex these things are. But this especially oscillational fluctuation is something that is very important in people's experiences about various ecological emotions or climate feelings or whatever we call them. It's not, not a very straightforward road, but it has many curves and setbacks and successes and so on. And I think that's a theme that's also come up in many of the episodes of the of season one. What do you think, Thomas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Over the next couple of episodes, I want to revisit some of our our earlier work because I've learned so much over the last couple of years. I mean, just again, you know, in media rests, I I really, as a former you know English major in my youth and understanding literature, I mean, I love these terms and in media rests, like um, goes back to probably you know the the, the Greeks and all this uh, people, but that's um, a story that. It starts in 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 um, in the middle. So I was looking up some examples of of movies that start in media rest, and, and one that's that that listeners might have seen um, was the uh, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody about Freddie Mercury and the and the music band Queen. And Potter and I are both music music people, but that movie starts the backstage of the Live Aid concert in 1985, this big concert, and then there's this character. Freddie Mercury, who runs out to the stage and starts singing and all this sort of stuff, um, but then that right in the middle of that that historic moment, it starts. But then it goes into goes into the backstory of Freddie Mercury when he was younger and working as a baggage handler at the airport, and he meets his music friends. You know, so that's 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 kind of that. That's what that means in me, in media stress. And so 
Yeah, but for us, you know, here we are in summer 2022. I've traveled this summer and um, heat has been everywhere. It's been oppressive. Mm -hmm. I've had a chance to travel with my daughter and um, see family. And we had a very special trip to go to Europe and um, that we've planned for many years and got carbon offsets for and really tried to do it really in a you know environmentally conscious way uh, but really wherever i've been it's been oppressive heat you know i was in london for the hottest day in history uh mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh and um here in portland i've been watching the weather earlier in the summer i got a chance to do a an event here where that was commemorating the the heat dome from last summer we had this extreme heat disaster here in portland with 116 fahrenheit temperature people dying and uh jonah one of my colleagues who's the chief resilience officer for the city of portland had the had the foresight to pull together a community event to recognize the the heat dome and to talk about it um so it really is we're really in this now when i go back 10 or more years 15 years ago when I first started working on climate change stuff, it's a long time. It was very different. That, that blessed unknowing that you talk about, that innocence, that climate innocence, Panu, we have that climate innocence, you know? Um, and so that's just, that's a pretty profound theme. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the fact that there's a memorial event tell us of the severity of the things that are going on and also links with earlier history. You know, sometimes we don't pay much attention to these different, you know, blocks of stone with some writing on them amidst our city or town spaces, which are mem memorials of events which happened a long, long time, time ago. But during those times, they were very meaningful for the people involved, so meaningful that they wanted to set up something so that the people coming after them might remember that also. That's uh, a team uh, very close to me also because I have some background with, with religion, especially religion and environment, but also otherwise. And some people are actually now trying to apply um, cultural history methods also to climate change, like Alex Hall from mm. Britain, who has been uh, taking a look at uh, memorials of floods in history. They still exist, you know, in town churches, for example, and then thinking about the events that are going on now uh, in, in reflection with those earlier e events and the human dynamics of the need to remember and the need to come together uh, in, in relation to significant events. That's the same, even though now, of course, the climate effects are getting even more more drastic. But this continuity from, from, from history, I think that's a very profound theme also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So just trying to think of what's helpful, you know, coming back to what's helpful for our listeners, because we have listeners around the world. We have listeners in different backgrounds from different countries. Um, again, the basics of this, of this podcast, climate change and happiness, the provocative title, happiness, bringing happiness in was kind of begs the question of what does it mean to be happy? in this, in this climate change world. That's, that's why we use that title. And then we're two people, two men sitting in um, different countries, uh, you know, peers, friends, um, sitting with this climate change for ourselves and our families. 
and we focus on the on, on the feelings and the emotions um uh, as opposed to many other things about climate change we could talk about but that's our expertise is on the psychological and the emotional and uh whether it's both western ideas of emotion as being inside our head or other ideas where emotions are interact inter- interacted between people and we're we are experts in of a kind but it's not an academic podcast you don't need to be an academic you don't need to have a phd to to listen to our podcast this is for everyone um and so what's helpful for us all and then listeners should know if you go to climatechangeandhappiness.com our website all our past episodes are listed and you can hear oh uh, you can see uh, descriptions of all the episodes and there's links and so there's it's a it's a really great resource um if you're listening to this just on you know Spotify or Apple Podcasts or something you might not realize there's a whole website that has a lot of information so climatechangeandhappiness.com is the website and you can hear learn about us and send us messages and things like that yes ex- exactly and we've got some feedback from listeners that hey i just found the website and there were all kinds of interesting links so that's made us realize that we should talk about the website a bit bit more often and as mentioned we try to search for various kinds of links in relation to the content so that there would be a bit, bit something for everyone over there and we've had a uh, excellent in intern Isabel Coppola who has been helping us, us out with the transcripts and, and links yes. and there's a couple of other people mm. also taking care of important technical duties so um, we are in warm gratitude for, for that and there's a team, team work, working with this and of course, because we are two two white, yes. uh, roughly middle-aged men, we try to be conscious of the dynamics of position and, and privilege all, also, and <laughs> sort of recognizing where we come from and trying to be open-minded and, mm-hmm. and sensitive. And uh, we've had the great pleasure of receiving many guests. We try to do so that it would be one episode always between us and then one with a guest and that kind of sequence and there's been some really marvelous encounters during the first season. Indeed, I'm looking at our website and just all the different things that we've covered and uh, so we'll keep cycling around. I think you know, I'll just speak to a recent episode with Ellen Kelsey episode 16 which I recommend highly as one of my favorite of our episodes and Ellen you know, is a great communicator around climate change and climate science um you know she focuses on solutions journalism the idea of talking about things that are working things that are helpful solutions only about you know two to three percent of the news that we hear in the media is positive about climate change most of it is highly negative uh focusing on problems and crises that's that's an artifact of how media works which is you know, a prof, generally a profit-making kind of thing to grab our attention, uh, and also an artifact of just how science and things work. People tend to start with the problems and name the problems, and um, so you know, in that flavor, evidence-based hope, as Ellen would say, is really being specific and up to date. Like people are up to date on the problems. It's funny, listeners, you can think about this. You're probably pretty up to date on the problems, but are you up to date on the solutions? Are you up to date on what's working well? Most of us are not. I am not unless I really claw for the information. I have to claw for the information. Luckily, I know people like Jonah, the the resilience officer, or I know her slightly. I wouldn't even have known that Jonah 
until she reached out to me, I didn't know that she existed. I didn't know that my own city had a chief resilience officer. And I'm an, I'm an educated person. I didn't know that. And so most Portlanders probably don't know that. And so um, that's one of the, the paradoxes of doing this work. Once you plunge into it, you actually can learn more about the, the, uh, the solutions. But what about uh, for you, Panu? Any, any kind of evidence-based hope sound bites here today? This links with the history dimension of getting to know how things were, for example, just 50 years ago in relation to many environmental issues like like air pollution and wastewater management and that sort of thing. So uh, if one manages to do conscious uh, thinking about that, that's one source of hope also, seeing seeing the, pro- the progress uh, around and Thomas has been for a long time commenting in the media about the need to be selective about your climate media diets or environmental media diet. And I think the encounters with Ellen have uh, taught us to even even more than previously pay attention also to what we are eating, not just how often we are eating, because that's one thing limiting the media pressures by not opening opening your smartphone the first thing in the morning and checking out the climate news. Mm. Uh, I very rarely do that, but when I do, I sort of always feel miserable, so I really, really try to do that only only later, later on. And building that balance is not easy, even for pe- people like us who have tried to do it for many, many years, and that's, we want to be open about it also, that it's not always easy for us either, despite all the resources and even some some privileges, you know. Yeah. Yeah, what we are eating and how much we are eating in terms of, of the media and the what is 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 um, kind of the second level. The how much is really just getting a handle on the addictive media and just finding out that news. Our, news is our life. When we wake up in the morning and we look around us, that's the news. That's what's important, most important and what we can see with our eyes and what's right around our, our home place. Um What's happening in other parts of the world is is important, but it isn't. I don't think as important. I got a chance to visit Walden Pond this summer, one of my favorite mm. pilgrimage places uh, in the world, and that's what the lesson is of 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 Walden and uh, Henry David Thoreau is like, you know, being being right around where you are. Yeah. Speaking about about news, uh, we also got to know in Finland that. Uh, uh, climate legislation, which was the source of hot debate and sometimes despair in the U.S., was finally passed. But how does it look like from from your side of the mm. side of the Atlantic pond, pond, Thomas? Is that a sign of hope, or how does it seem seem for you? That's a great question, Pato. Uh, comes us back to that blind man and the elephant, depending on how you go after what we call in the U.S. this Inflation Reduction Act. You know, some people think it's a success and uh, some people think it's not. Um, and that requires some up-to-date knowledge. Um, you know, what really this, what I've been thinking about this summer, one thing is that, you know, climate legislation and policy is a long game. It's a long chess match. Mm. Um, that's different moves um, over many, many years to get anything. As we know, it's taken over 30 years for the U.S. to pass some substantive climate legislation. So in that sense, the Inflation Reduction Act is an incredible victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the biggest, it is the biggest 
legislation that the U.S. has ever passed, and it, it does have a ton. Uh, we get to, we get blind about numbers and how much things cost, but it does have a ton of money focused on climate investments and things. Uh, it's a watered down version of other more ambitious bills, obviously the um, Build Back Better, and then of course the Green New Deal. But it took that all the people working on this Green New Deal. It took all of that work to create the space for this to happen. So it's it's um, it's underwhelming in a, in a broad, broad progressive sense, obviously. But it's um, but it's it's something to be proud of. We have to celebrate these victories. If we never celebrate any victories, it's a grim world, a mm. grim, hopeless world. So yes, I am I am celebrating it, but knowing again, it's part of a longer chess match, um, and. Um, you know, and it would, it barely got through. Mm. We know that there's a whole one whole political party that's gone off the rails in the U.S. and is essentially no longer of a functioning party. And so, um, it's 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 really tooth and nail. Uh, mm. um, but I want to share uh, uh, a positive thing uh, and shout out to my our podcast colleagues, Pani. We haven't had a chance to talk about this, but I. I got to meet uh, Sophia and Daniela, Sophia and Daniela, who have the Climate Twins podcast, um, and they these young women have uh, a podcast. They're both aged fourteen. Okay. Uh, they're about the same age as my daughter, and uh, they have an incredible podcast um, that they they I could we could learn a few things from them. Panu, they have a very very tight mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. system. Sophia and Daniela, uh, so you can find them at climatetwins.com c-l-i-m-a-t-w-i-n-s.com but um they interviewed me about climate therapy and they were very delightful um but that was really a a, a nice a, a nice experience for me um to talk to some really young young people that were quite gifted and and having to translate what i do mm-hmm. for four to two 14 year olds so, i mean smart 14 year olds but still 14 year olds and so uh, it comes back to our whole idea of being born into, born into climate change. Um, there are bright spots like this all around the world. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. Cool to hear here and uh, often, often meeting meeting young people is that. And even though, of course, uh, the adults are in a key position, and um, the, the adults shouldn't just talk about. How the how the youth are hope inspiring, and it's it's up to up to everyone to try to do their part, and especially adults and those those who are are in power. But still, it's very very empowering often. And then there's the silent work that many people diligently do. For example, in getting these legislation things passed. So I really want to take a mo- moment to honor all the all the silent and unrecognized work that people in various positions have been doing just to get this get this through barely mm-hmm. and and as you said whenever there's a reason for joy contentment relief even momentary experiences of bliss that's part of the climate emotion spectrum also and uh, i think we should cultivate social norms and attitudes where we want to cherish those emotions also mm-hmm. in addition to the sensitivity for sadness for example which we often and importantly discuss in this podcast too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. So this immediate rest is a kind of a technique. As I'm thinking about it, it could be a technique we could use. So we say, how are we doing right this minute? It's a snapshot. And then we pull back like a film director. You know, we pull back and we maybe go to a backstory of something that happened months or years earlier or in some other place in time. So we get this larger story and then we come back into our into our story a little bit. So all of the listeners, you know, you have that in your life in general, right? Whatever the, your day holds for you today and individually with your family or your loved ones or your work or the world. Um, uh, I think one of the dangers of the constant media immersion is we're just trapped in, in media arrest, right? We're trapped. It's like an old Western movie where you start like in some crazy horse chase, you know, and it's just some, some, some train going off a cliff or something, you know? Um, and that's like, a con- it's like we're trapped in, in a moment in time without any history. Um, so when we pull out of that media, we can sort of step back and look at the big picture in our lives and things like that. Um, it's another reason why we need to get outdoors because that helps too. you know, over the summer, I know a lot of listeners get a chance, hope if they're lucky and they have some privilege and safety to, to spend time in nature. Like I have, and I know Pana, you have, and that, that, that helps us to pull out, pull out of the horse race and, and kind of just get a sense of what's going on. Um, so yes, another great conversation, Panu. I'm looking forward to hear more about your, your, over the next months, your process model and some of the things that you're creating and to share some of my, my adventures as well. Yeah. Likewise, likewise, Thomas. And from our brief talks before, we know that there's been even more, in, more of those encounters which have been very interesting during the summer with very different people, sometimes with artists or people at the countryside and everything in between. So we'll continue to draw from those encounters as the autumn and winter proceeds. And one thing that's also different from season one of this podcast is that now we um, we have used our pre-recorded episodes pretty much. So we will be a bit more straightforward in recording and then putting things out so it's going to be a slightly different character but we hope that you continue to enjoy our conversations and we warmly welcome you to join us on the journey yes thanks panu and so listeners thank you for joining us again we talked about some interesting things we coined some new new terms like climate climate innocence and remembering that blessed blessed unknowing that some of us had had uh ignorance is bliss as they say but now we have um, knowledge and maturity about some of these things. And so check us out at climatechangeandhappiness.com to see all the past episodes. Please um, reach out to us and send messages to us to tell us things you want us to think about and talk about uh, and all of that kind of stuff. And um, I'd like everyone to just do your best to take care of yourselves. And we'll talk to you again next time. Take care. Take care.